Usually, this is the time when Brett comes in here and we, we get to listen to his great interviews he does with Patrick Cooligan. Brett is gone today, so Patrick Cooligan is kind enough to join me live to talk about various news stories that the Minnesota Reformer has been covering on Election Day. Patrick, Grand Pooba of Minnesota Reformer, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Always a pleasure. It's it's nice to have you with us today. Um, election day. Uh, talk a little bit about this. I mean, it's you know obviously it seems like I mean the Duluth mayor's race is very interesting, um, and then of course there's the interesting vote out in Minnetonka about whether to repeal uh, you know you know um, ranked choice voting. But the reality is is this the, where the the meat and potatoes is this election cycle is in Minneapolis and St. Paul, correct? Yeah, I think I would also add. Um few other issues, one of these school boards, where we've seen a lot of outside money uh, come in and a lot of really partisan players uh, who are trying to get uh, their hands on uh, school board seats. Uh, and then there's also a big school bonding issue down in Mankato that um, has rather mysteriously also drawn some big cash uh, from an outside business group. The Mankato one is that, I mean, there have been in outstate Minnesota, there's been a lot of these school referendums that are out there. There's a group out of Iowa that they've been hired to come on in. Is that, is that the same, to your knowledge, do you know if that's the same group that's been, uh, that has been in the state before trying to fight these referendums? No, I know the one you're referring to, but this is actually uh, the 2022 Republican uh, nominee for Attorney General, Jim Schultz. He started this new, um, I think it's called the Minnesota Private Business Council. And he's gone to the kind of the usual suspects of uh, Republican donors, and uh, they're spending forty-seven thousand uh, dollars negative ads to try to beat the uh, the bonding referendum there in Mankato. Um, a little mysterious because Schultz's aim uh, is apparently to to help Republicans get the get the legislature back. And become competitive statewide again. So I, I'm not really sure what their interest is in the Mankato school bond issue. <laughs> well, if I may, I think part of this is, and you and I, have ta- when you were talking about that before, about the, the guys in Iowa, there has been this effort to appeal to Republicans in Republican areas about killing these these school referendums. And, and granted, and we can t- have a long discussion about how schools are funded, and, it's, and it just it is hard, especially in rural parts of the, 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 the state, but they've defeated them, and then unexpectedly, well, the school then closed down, and they had to go all of a sudden drive. You know, they basically stopped paying an extra $100 in property taxes just so now they have to drive an extra 20 miles to school every day to get their kid, which, you know, that's going to kind of eat up that money pretty quick. You know, it, it, there is this – I think when you look at them going after Mankato – that's an area where it's it's kind of a toss-up area. There are some Democrats down there, but maybe they feel as if they can incite enough of the, the a red menace wave down there that they can actually make a an impact come uh, the uh, House races next time around. Yeah, my, maybe. My, my, uh, my gut tells me that there's some donor to the Minnesota Private Business Council uh, who lives in Mankato and doesn't want to pay more in property taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a simpler explanation, uh, but certainly with the school boards, um, they, they, you're seeing a lot of money. Um, there's something called the Anoka Hennepin Parents Alliance, which is uh, an affiliate of the Minnesota Parents Alliance, um, and they've raised uh, they, they had raised as of last week more than forty four thousand for for races there. And the school boards, I mean, there's there's a national wave of reactionaries are trying to get on school boards. 
because they want to ban books and, and they don't want us to teach history of uh, white supremacy and so forth. But there's a second aim there, and that is a school board is a good launching pad to run for the legislature. There's a number mm-hmm. of legislators who served on school boards. Um, and so uh, I think they're trying to, to win some, some seats on school boards with the hope that they could um, get these um, these newly elected officials in shape to run for the legislature as soon as 24, I suppose, but probably uh, in the uh, in the future as well. The Minnesota Parent Alliance, you brought up the fundraising they had. Isn't a lot of that funding, though, came from one person? Yeah, there's uh, a person named Mary Ann Nystrom um, had picked in $30,000. Uh, she's apparently founded uh, behavioral health clinics with her husband, Brian, um, and uh, so, yeah, they're they're pushing hard um, on on uh, the one of the largest schools. I think it's the largest school district in the state of Noka Hennepin. Yeah, well, and and we should mention that we've had a Noka Hennepin at one point, not that long ago, had a far right conservative majority, which is where they had that group that basically said the rights of the bullies was more important than the rights of the kids that were getting bullied. And it ended up creating all sorts of problems and an unsafe school environment. And frankly, sadly enough, a lot of dead kids who'd committed suicide because they were being bullied to death there. And it was only when the school district got sued that all of those far-right school board members kind of all of a sudden said, we're not going to run again. This seems like this is, you know, it's not the same thing, but it's a, a new wave, a new version of this because they still look at Anoka Hennepin as prime territory, at least in the metro area where they can cultivate some Republican support. Right. I, as I recall, there was a, it was a settlement in that case. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the they Republicans, they need to win in the suburbs, and uh, they've taken a real beating um, in the last, uh, since 2018. And so if they're going to uh, compete, they, they need to do it in some of these districts. The, the city of Minneapolis... There is this real question. I mean, it, it, and frankly, if I can say this, I think this entire endorsement process is a mess. It is, you know, they, they, you know, they, they get people who are endorsed, and then a lot of Democrats are, you know, out there openly supporting their challenger, or they, they basically end up having endorsement conventions going into chaos. There, there seems to be more infighting going on here. I don't think this is going to get any better, regardless of what the outcome is tonight. But it is it, it is interesting to see because there is really a a massive conflict that's going on that I think that within the city cores themselves, the DFL has to come into a, a bit of an identity crisis because they don't they have to get better at 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 identifying who they are and what they're standing for, and it seems like they're almost trying to play both sides of the same coin. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the. Uh, I, th- I think we'll get some answers after the results come in tonight. Um, I think uh, a key race for me is going to be uh, Soren Stevenson, who yeah. lost an eye in the George Floyd protest. He's challenging uh, the council president, Andrea Jenkins. Um, you know, you would never think that um, that, that our, a black trans woman uh, who would certainly view, rightfully so, as a trailblazer, but is is seen as a as too much of an accommodationist with the the city's relatively moderate mayor, and so the progressives want to kick her out. Um, and I think that you know, depending on how that race goes, that'll that'll tell us a lot about how things are going to go in Minneapolis. 
the progressives hope to to get a the nine. They want to win nine of the thirteen wards, and then we'll have a veto-proof majority, um, and and feel like they can finally uh, really confront the mayor um, on a lot of their key issues. The thing which is interesting is it's you know the the idea of working with Mayor Fry. You know, Mayor Fry won overwhelmingly the last time he was up for election. And, and then there was a lot of vocal people who were saying they were going to don't rank Fry, don't go on out there. And he ended up, you know, I think exceeding expectations and winning re-election there. And so the idea that, that, that you know, working with him is so con- is conceived to be by certain in certain areas as, you know, betrayal, is it is kind of an interesting concept because – Overall, at least the city, the last time he was on the ballot, you know, so they, they supported him. Sure. I mean, I, I think that that's um, something that um, progressives, the, the Minneapolis progressives, are, are having to confront and, and never quite have, despite losing uh, elections. That is, um, they, they may be um, in the minority in the city. Uh, you know, if you look at... Uh, Representative Ilhan Omar's really very close primary election in 22. I mean, that was another signal that, you know, the city might not be as far left as some of the uh, left-wing activists have assumed or hoped. Um, And so, you know, what that tells you is that maybe they need to do some persuading. Um, And in this kind of uh, political environment, I I think that gets lost on some folks. and and, And it can be hard to do. People are they're in their crouched in their corners, and um, it's it's hard to do that persuasion work. And so you you just kind of assume that uh, what you really need to do is is uh, activate and just you know if we could just get more of our base out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is you know twenty one was a really pretty high turnout municipal election. Yeah, and and it was really a bloodbath um, for the city's um, most progressive. Well, and you bring up a very interesting point, and can we, let's bring in Duluth in on this because you know that's that that is a deep blue area up there in Duluth. You you would think Emily Larson would be a shoe in, but the more moderate Roger Reinhardt is really giving her fits, and it's going to be interesting to see how that race goes. Maybe the question that we have is that there's always this mentality that these inner city core areas are as left as left gets. But the reality is, is that they're more traditional Democrats than more progressive Democrats, and and I think that your your point there, maybe we're just seeing this played out. That the idea that there this extreme leftism leftism in the metro cores is really more of a product of media interpretation as opposed to reality. Yeah, and also the loudest voices. You know, if you spend your yeah. day on Twitter, <laughs> you would think that those are the folks who control the cities and and certainly the DFL party. Um, but there's, I mean, most people are not on social media and there's just, I think both cities have a lot of normie Dems, um, who, uh, want a focus. And you could say this about Duluth too, probably, um, that they, they want to focus on basic city services and they see, um, a lot of room for improvement in, in those areas. And, you know, honestly, I have, uh, hopes for um, progressive governance, but I also think that government needs to do the basics. 
Well, and you bring this up. I have a friend in Minneapolis who said, it's hard for me to get on these far left causes when I see that they can't even shovel off crosswalks effectively so people can get off without having to climb over a mountain of snow. And you know, that's as, as kind of trivial as that is, that actually is a really good point. I mean, you want to be able to have you know, it, it, you have to have a livable city, and there is, you know, there have been some studies that have done just the practicality of Minneapolis is not right quite there. It's not easy for people to 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 kind of get into auxiliary issues knee deep when you know you can see, like you said, you know, the basic quality of life living. That's where the most of it's at, and that's not necessarily a progressive thing. It's just more of a quality of life thing. Yeah, and I mean that—that's a good segue over to St. Paul, where yeah. uh, the mayor, you know, has is asking for an additional penny uh, sales tax. It would give St. Paul the highest uh, sales tax in the state, and this is to do roads. and And I think that there's a, you know, a, res, a res, obviously, if you, if you drive around St. Paul, I live in St. Paul, I live off Marshall. I mean, it's it's a mess, yeah. and something needs to be done. The question is, like, well, where's the money going now? Um, and they they would say, well, we we have all these government buildings because the state capital is in St. Paul, and and we're not getting property tax um, for that. We have all these nonprofits, and they don't pay uh, the, they don't pay for the road construction. Um, but you know, I think voters at some point they probably they're looking and saying, well, we have the highest sales tax in the state, so do we have the best services in the state? I feel like they think that there should be some equivalency there. I'm not sure that they see it. Um, and so well, this will be another interesting signal from St. Paul voters tonight if they're, uh, they're feeling generous and, and, uh, or they're just so desperate to see improvement in the roads or if they're feeling a little uh, flinty um, and, and want to send a signal to city government that uh, they need to do a little more with less. Or with the same, I should say. Well, and I guess there is the other side of that. If you talk about doing, you know, you know, kind of more with the same, it, it, there comes a point where, okay, it's St. Paul. It is a major metropolitan area. Are you saying you need more snow plows? Are you saying you need more road crews? I, I think that we've had ex- examples in Minnesota if we say we're going to pay for six new road crews that are going to go out there and take their roads. If you just put it to people like that, very simplistic. This is going to be their payroll. Here's the trucks. Here's the equipment. Well, this is what it'll cost. Here's what we need for the administrative side of it. Boom. Here's the price tag. We need to raise it like this. I, I Most people in the state are like, okay, fine. I can, I can get that. Yeah, the, the legitimate question you bring up is still there. It's like, well, where's the money that's supposed to be going to this now? But maybe it's just a case where the city's growing. I think that this, you know, when you, as you say, it's, it's you know, the roads are bad. And, and it just, it doesn't feel like, you know, to a point, you almost kind of wonder, is this going to be enough? or and, and will this money definitively be dedicated to the roads and parks as you're dictating it's going to be? Well, money's fungible. Yes, it <laughs> so is. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Um, I, uh, uh, I definitely want improved city services. I'm not sure if that's going to require more money or not. Okay. You know, St. Paul is, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I know a lot of people who live over there that will tell me in a heartbeat it's better than living in Minneapolis. But I also hear a lot of people over there that say that, you know, there are some issues there. 
it just it doesn't seem to get the 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 races are going on tonight. They don't seem to get the the tenacious value that the Minneapolis races kind of get. And so it just it it's it, maybe they just seem so much more. They're they're hey how we're just gonna vote for me or vote for them. We'll vote for one of us. It's gonna be good enough for that. You know it doesn't. Is it been more contentious over there than we're seeing in the media? It's it's competitive, but um, I mean we are the smaller uh, fraternal twin, the lower key win um yeah but there are and i I think there's you know we have a strong mayor system and people like mayor carter for good reason he's a good ambassador to the city and so i think there's uh, and there is less of that really deep ideological division that you see in minneapolis um but the city has issues uh you know the, the 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 office vacancy rates um i mean especially downtown i was there on a sunday night recently and it was a little spooky, mm. um, and and so I, I hope that um, the uh, I, I hope the new council and and the mayor um, will focus on uh, the important uh, again basic governance issues uh, that we need to confront over on our side of the river here. Uh, uh, Patrick Cooligan joining us from the Minnesota Reformer. One last thing here. I wanted to bring up the Zachary Roth story that you have, you know, because you know, we obviously were focusing on this off year election, but next year is a major election. I, I talked briefly about it before you got on the air about the fact that regardless of whether you like it or not, there's only two choices we've got. That's going to be one of these two guys is going to be president again. Uh, and so you, you in, unless something dramatic happens to Trump, whether it goes to jail or something like that. But, uh, you know, th- this is where it's going to be. Talk a little bit about that because I mean I I agree I'm a little wary about what's going to happen as we're now a year out from the next major election in this country. Um, yeah, I mean I I think that democracy is very much on the line, um, especially if you take uh, Trump at his word that he's going to uh, seek retribution against his political enemies um, with the the Justice Department. Um, certainly, Mike. Mike jo- uh, Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, is this flat-out election denier. He helps craft Trump's uh, whole strategy. There's, you know, I think the the threat of political violence is has um, is greater now than it's been in, in a couple of generations in this country, um, and and people seem to be. Uh, I mean, what what's kind of astounding to me is the the level of complacency about amongst the voters. I mean, if you look at the recent polling that has Trump leading, it's like, I mean, don't people remember that he, he did try to overturn an election uh, through what really amounted to a coup? Um, so that's just, you know, that is, it's very concerning. Um, as, as Zach Roth pointed out in his piece, they did do some good work kind of clarifying the, um, the election, um, um uh, that's the name of it slipped my mind. But uh the federal law that governs the post election period when, you know, there were various um it, there was various uh parts of that law that were unclear and that's what really allowed Trump to um make those attacks on the democracy and they've kind of shored that up. Um, and with some uh, a major assist from uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, who is as, as uh, chair of rules, played a big role in that. Um, and so it's called the Electoral Count Reform Act. But, yeah. uh, I finally remembered. Um, so you know that's heartening. Um, 
But uh, on the other side, you have all these election administrators. The, the, the people who run the guts of the election system are so important. Um, a lot of them are retiring um, and, and under the threat of duress. They just don't want to deal with it. And, and that's, that's Democrats and Republicans. So I think that's concerning as well. And I just I feel like even um, the, the changes to the electoral, uh, uh, the, the ECRA, um, you know, it's almost like the last war. It's like how you're fighting the last war. How is Trump and, and his toadies, how are they going to attack democracy this time? Um, you just, you know, what new um, uh, weaknesses and vulnerabilities are they going to attack in our democracy? And um, the, the only... Uh, the only defense of any of this is is just an overwhelming victory, mm-hmm. and um, at this point, it doesn't look great. Well, um, <laughs> but you keep your head up and, and do the work every day. I guess I would say this. I looked at that poll numbers. I was looking at the New York Times. Uh, no, there's no way on the planet that he's appealing to three times as many uh, of the black voters than he did in 2020. And I can tell you right now that 18 to 29, that is a nightmare for Republicans. They're terrified of that across the board. That's not 47, 46 either. So I, I'm not sure about the methodology there, but I'll say this. I'll echo something you said. Babies in cages. You had how many people died because Trump got upset that the doctors knew more about COVID than he did, so he had to play Dr. Bombay out there in front of the press. You know, it, and then, yeah, he tried to overthrow the government of the United States. There's that little <laughs> nugget, too. So I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to see see what happens coming up here. Uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job. I don't know if enough people tell you this, but uh, as far as a news outlet goes, you guys are, you know, you truly are top-notch. It's good journalism that's straightforward and honest, and I got to tell you, I'm just tickled pink. You guys are in our town. I I just appreciate that. Thanks, Matt. That's really really kind of you to say. We're we're working hard. You are. But I, it's it's really all about the reporters um, who just do a great job every day, going out and, and finding stuff out that um, that need, that the public needs to know. It is the best news source in town, Minnesota Reformer. If you can support them, please do, and make sure you're reading them every day. Share their stories. They are just top-notch. Patrick Cooligan, Patrick, thank you very much. As always, and just a a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Patrick Cooligan, Minnesota Reformer. Let's take a break. Come on back. More of the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. 